You're listening to Fight in Progress. With your hosts and stress coaches, founder of Under the Shield, Susan Simmons, and TomTheBomb.com. Fight in Progress grapples with the internal and external struggles in the daily lives of our men and women in law enforcement, the armed forces, and first responders. Tackling the tough topics and supporting those who support us. We hear you, and we're here for you. All right, welcome to Under the Shield Presents Fight in Progress. I always forget that part. See, I'm glad you opened us up this morning because I'd have forgotten that. Wow, well, dementia. That was, that was dementia. really good. <laughs> I keep telling you, dementia, guys. I got it. This is why it's safe to come to me. I won't remember you the minute you walk out of my door. Here, your name is Susan Simmons. <laughs> oh, that's right. Thank you. It's <laughs> another reason you're here. See? <laughs> in case I go, what's my name again? <laughs> then we know we're in trouble. Right. <laughs> and you, of course, are TomTheBomb.com. That's right. But you still got an alias that I still love. <laughs> what was Ponch's partner's name besides John? Um, uh, Chips? I don't know. I, was it John Baker? Or? Oh, that's before my time. Yeah, that's before your time. Show off. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way to get yourself booted out of this office. <laughs> How old are you anyway? 34. I've been doing this since you were four years old. How does that make you feel? Dang. <laughs> <laughs> like she's a dinosaur. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say, it's not how, how it makes him feel. <laughs> I know. Well, it, it's also, you could have been, I could have given birth to you. I got a 31 and 35-year-old, so you fell oh, right in the right middle, in the middle there. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So tell us about our guest today, Tom. God, I've known our guest for quite some Long time. time. Yeah. Well, it couldn't be that long. He's only 34 years yeah, old. Well, sure. Not as long as you've been doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's Probably since I was, what, like 10 or 11, maybe? Yeah, Something about like that. that. Yeah. That's pretty close. Yeah. Wow, and he agreed to come his, in here with you. <laughs> well, his dad and I used to ride dirt bikes together, and so uh, yep. Michael and, and his brother yeah. were riding dirt bikes. My oldest son was riding dirt bikes, so we... We'd go out and goof off. Yeah, and, we used to go riding all the time. Was yeah. Dad a cop? Yeah. yeah. At Tempe? Yeah. Yep. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So that's how y'all knew each other. Right. Gotcha. He was my, I would say, mentor, but when <laughs> I first started in Reconstruction, that's who I followed and... He wasn't a... I, I only learned some things from him. He wasn't a killer boots <laughs> cop? He wasn't a motor? Oh, no, he was a motor. Yeah, oh, he, he was, was a, a motor, motor for yeah. like 20... Six or seven years. Yeah. He had, I think, twenty eight in total. Right. Wow. And like almost all of it was in traffic right. on a motor. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Killer yeah. boots, boy. Y'all are a special breed. In <laughs> so our guest is Michael Kells. Yep. Um, was a former Tempe police officer. Yep. And now he works for another city. Where I happen to live. <laughs> Patrolling again, your streets. If you if you get a call to my house, take your time. It's all good. <laughs> I'll have it all wrapped up by the time you get here. <laughs> I just need handcuffs. Why? Well, if they live. Well, yeah. Then I can just cuff them and set them out on the um, Keep them in, street corner. You know, yeah, Laying like, down on the ground. Kind of yeah. like our, my neighbor was telling us about in Alaska where they... What was that, where they would go in hmm. to places and arrest them and tell them, we'll be back to pick yeah. you up tomorrow? At yeah, <laughs> be out here on the tarmac at this time. <laughs> and they'd be there. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, you do need to come by one day and meet my neighbors over here. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, he's head of security for the governor of Alaska. Oh, wow. And he's 83 years old. <laughs> Dang. He's his ninth governor. Wow. Yeah. Yes, and his son is the commissioner of public safety. 
retired as the colonel over the Alaska Troopers. He was actually on the podcast um, probably a year ago now. Oh, wow. But, yeah, they're cool people. Yeah. yeah. yeah and Tom's nice. met him, so you need to come say hello. <laughs> yeah. Dang, 83 years old, huh? Yeah. yeah. And, security. Um, you'll see him out here walking six miles whenever yeah. they're down here. Good for him. Yeah, he'll be back the 20th. So do, do you patrol this area? Um, I don't. I'm basically the opposite of where you're at. <laughs> gotcha. On the east side. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know if that's the good side or the bad side or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's a little slower on that side than over here, but there's a lot of juvenile type stuff over there. Morrison Ranch kind of area. Oh, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been here five years and I really hadn't found the hood, so to speak, in my town, but... Yeah, thankfully, uh, Gilbert, we're kind of blessed with that. Good. Compared to Tempe, there's a lot of hoods. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here it's Pocket hard to find hoods. one. Yeah. In the valley, there's a lot of hoods yeah. everywhere. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. So tell us your story. Uh, you, you child, you barely out of diapers. <laughs> yes. No. Well, how long have you been an officer now? Uh, about 12 years now. Yeah, I was going to say, I was trying to think of that yesterday. Ooh, that like, should make you feel man. old. Yeah. yeah, well, it does. But I have a son his age, so <laughs> again, not a, not a big deal. Yeah, but you're still not as old as me, and That's I got right. two of them this age. So <laughs> you were slow getting started, or something. Oh here. no, I'm younger than you. I know. That's what and I, I have a 36 year old daughter. <sighs> children having children. <laughs> wow, there's something wrong with that. But anyway, uh, yeah, well, tell me about it. <laughs> and like I told my daughter. At least let me reach 40 before you make me a grandfather. And she did, so I was lucky. And there. I'm still not a grandparent. Hmm, I got two. Show off. <laughs> <laughs> or a pain in my ass. But anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, I grew up out here. Uh, my dad, like we said, was a cop in Tempe. Do you always want to be a cop? Always police or fire. That's always what I was driven towards so tell me how you rolled out fire i actually did fire first that was my my first goal out of high school um it was back that like i graduated in 06 so shortly after that we started getting into that recession Mm -hmm. um so a lot of places weren't really hiring um i tested a lot uh, but people were only picking up like two and three at a time and thousands (laughs) of people were testing oh the good old days yeah so uh I got on part-time with the town of Guadalupe, working for their fire department. And then uh, when I turned 21, my dad had told me, hey, you should just put in your app with Tempe. Tempe's hiring. Like, not even if you're going to do it full-time. Just see what happens. Yeah. He's like, you'll get, you know, good benefits, good pay, and just use it as a stepping stone until the fire department start hiring again and then go back to fire. So I did that, and that was what my goal was, and then I just ended up staying um any desire to be a, on a motor uh yeah yeah <laughs> here we go <laughs> yeah so. michael came to one of my motor schools oh. i did yeah oh how much i was doing was uh, i was doing all right too until uh, yeah. one particular drill yeah then... well there was we had a mesa motor instructor with us um was that good or bad oh no he he's a great guy he's okay. actually retired from there he's a officer out in california now um, I question that sanity. But I, okay. Yeah, I was like, "What are you doing? Going yeah. starting all over again?" But, well, and going there. <laughs> so, the Mesa guy was very competitive, to <laughs> yeah. say the least. And <laughs> there tell was, me, your dad uh, was there watching. He was not there for this one. No. Okay, there was a 
so that he was a Mesa instructor and there was a Mesa officer in the motor school right. too. And me and him kept going back and forth on getting the fastest times on these, the cross right. drill that we yeah. had. It was a, one of the obstacles that yeah. we'd set up. So we keep pushing it and I beat him by a second and then he'd beat me by a little bit and we we're going back and forth. And then my last time going through it, I crashed pretty hard coming out of the end <laughs> of it, tore my ACL Oh, fractured yeah. a bone in my leg and I was out. That yeah. would teach you to show off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but I like motor. I grew up on dirt bikes and motorcycles and I love motorcycles. And I, I don't know. I think being a motor would be a lot of fun. I'd have a blast coming to work every day and getting to ride a motorcycle. Well, I need to give you a heads up. I do not take tickets well. <laughs> every cop in the state of Alabama will tell you and it ain't worth it. <laughs> Because the only person who ever wrote me a, ch a, a ticket, literally, down on the coast, and I was speeding. Uh -huh. Every cop in Alabama knows it. it says Susan knows zero and 100, and the rest of it is just getting to the 100. <laughs> and this poor little cop down the coast in a city that they pull you for everything stops me, and I tell him who I am, and he could care less. Mm -hmm. And he writes me a ticket, and I looked at him, and I said, you need to remember this face. And he looked at me like, yeah, right. And so I'm mad. Feelings are hurt. <laughs> and so I call his chief, who doesn't know me either, and I said, Chief, Susan Simmons under the shield, uh, I want to offer you a free training. He goes, well, sure, we'd love that. <laughs> and I want officer so-and-so in my class. So it was a few months out, and I walk in, and he's sitting on the end, and I walk up and tap him on the shoulder, mm -hmm. and turns around. I said, you remember this face? <laughs> Took him a minute. When the color drained, I figured he remembered. <laughs> so come with me. He sat up on the stage. He was the poster child for eight hours. Oh, nice. <laughs> Every break, I thought he'd go back and sit. Oh, no. He came back and sat beside me. <laughs> Funniest thing I've ever seen. At the end, I said, you got anything you want to share with your fellow law enforcement officers? He goes, yeah, it ain't worth it. <laughs> Keep that in mind. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> I have UTS on the license plate. You can't miss it. <laughs> So just turn your head and go the other direction. <laughs> Noted. The best one, though, is when she got pulled over by a trooper and she had her bird with her. It was And bird was new, right? Oh, yeah. I just got him. I have a yellow-naped Amazon parrot in the backyard that I'm surprised oh. PD hasn't been called here on because he sits back there and screams and sounds yeah. like a kid locked in a closet, <laughs> yeah. which did happen in Alabama. And um, I, got, I wasn't teaching troopers yet in Alabama and I got stopped and Sigmund was in the floor in the um back at the back of the uh, station wagon uh -huh. and as the trooper walks up and says license and registration bird goes shut up oh nice <laughs> the trooper <laughs> sticks his head in excuse me ma'am <laughs> and i push my way out and he's going stay in the vehicle hell no i'm coming out i went to the back and popped it open i said it was that damn bird <laughs> and he's laughing he's got his hat that big old trooper hat down so nobody can see him and he goes, make him say it again. I said, hell, I didn't know he could say it the first time. And then he would pull me to see if I had the bird. It's the funniest thing. I was getting stopped by him all the oh, time. Oh, wow. Just wants to say hi to the bird. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. So, again, don't ever be offended if you happen to be around and you hear something in my backyard screaming, shut up. It's just Sigmund being or a pain. Or meowing like a cat. Or, or yeah. yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of things. He, he <laughs> sounds like he's coughing, like he has emphysema. And he's quite entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> so just keep these things in mind since you're probably the first, well, you are the first cop we've had in here on the show in an area that I will that probably. That actually works in this area? Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
that I'll probably come across you at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Just preferably not with blue lights. Well, now I know your uh, the address, so yes. I'll keep an ear out. Yeah. 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 Send your friends. Yeah. <laughs> Tell them y'all need to go check this lady out. <laughs> yeah. But, so yeah. anyway, so we're we're shooting for motors. Uh yeah. So that was that was the goal then. Um it, that rehab took a little over a year, I think. So I tested for motors a second time. And right before uh, we were supposed to have that next motor school was we had a, I think it was a Chandler officer and somebody else in the Valley had died in motor accidents at right. night. That would have been David, David Payne. Payne and, and Holmes, right. the two yeah. at Chandler yeah. back to back. Yep. Yes. So they uh, put a stop to night motors. That's what it was. The position was for, was for night motors. So it gotcha. got canceled. And that was at Tempe. Yeah. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Pretty much I at just, that time, all of East Valley uh, departments stopped motors that night. Everybody um, did? Yeah. Because I was thinking there was somebody who still was. Well, it was just, there was a, like a time period that everybody just said, okay, we're going to stop that for now. And But some have gone back to it? Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I haven't. I don't remember the last time I've seen a motor at night. I know. Yeah, it's weird. But, um, and then after that, I just haven't, I didn't test. I don't think I tested again after that. Um, yeah, I'm not, not really sure why, but <laughs> didn't you test for habit. detectives? Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's, I went to detectives. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good call. Cause there was a motor test and the detective test. Right. Yep. They were coming up at the same time and, uh, the detective one was first and I put in for that and I got that position. So I went over there for a year, did that. Wasn't a big fan of that assignment. No. <laughs> Can't imagine why. Yeah. <laughs> So, so tell us, we understand you had a little incident there at Tempe. Yeah, I was uh, pretty new. I So I got out of the academy in March of 2010, and this happened in August of 2011. So I had a little yeah. over a year in. Yeah, I was brand like new. brand, brand new. Yeah, still like super skinny and everything. Yeah. And he's not. He, he, yeah. Like, we're not talking about an obese individual sitting here on the couch here at the moment. So. Um, but yeah, I, that, uh, that night it, it was my Friday and I was report writing. It's funny, like all the little details that you remember when you're like involved in a, an incident like that. But sure. the, uh, call came out as just a single vehicle accident into a fence at Arizona Mills mall. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even get sent to it at first. Um, like another one or two people got sent to it because it was just a car into a fence. And shortly after it got dispatched uh the updates on the call were i guess a couple people ran up to the car to see if the guy was okay mm-hmm. and he gets out and points a handgun at him and then runs into the mall with the gun in his hand great so they hot tone it and now everybody's responding because we have a crazy guy with a gun that just ag assaulted two people and now he's running through the mall with a handgun and that never gets y'all spun up or no. adrenaline running no. or just another day absolutely <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so um, so I start responding at that point, and while we're all responding, we're getting more updates that he pointed his gun at somebody else over here. Uh, people in the mall calling us saying that they just saw this guy running through the mall with the gun, and the descriptions they kept giving out was that it was a black male with a blue shirt, khaki shorts, silver handgun was the general description that we were getting several times from different people. And the first officers that are getting there were like working with mall security, um, trying to evacuate the mall. 
trying to figure out exactly where he's at in the mall. Um, we have contact teams forming at every exit of the mall in case he comes out or if we have to run in and start hearing gunshots or whatever. Um, and then as I was arriving, they needed a perimeter spot at Preston baseline. So I just grabbed that cause I was at the intersection mm-hmm. and, uh, set myself up there. <laughs> so thinking, ah, I'll yeah, never no see deal. this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perimeter people like never get exactly. into the action. I know. So, like, yeah. Um, so I'm just standing there doing my perimeter thing and he ends up doing an armed robbery in the mall. He robs a famous footwear shoe store. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember this. I guess he figured, well, I'm already here. I might as well get some cash. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know like what his goal was in the yeah. beginning of all this. It's kind of a bizarre deal. But um, and nowadays you wouldn't even have to have a gun. Just go and take what you want and walk right on out the store. Right. But anyway. Yeah. Um, and then the last like real update that I got was that he was running along the east side of the mall. And same kind of description um, again. And within, I'd say probably like less than 20 seconds of that last update, mm-hmm. I see a guy walking down the sidewalk towards me. Um, he's a he's a native guy, but he's got like dark darker skin, mm-hmm. like he'd been out in the sun or something like that, like a darker complected native guy. But it was pretty obvious he wasn't a black male, but he has on a blue shirt. His shorts are, they're like white with blue plaid kind of patterns on them but so much for khaki so not khaki and they're abnormally long too like almost down to his ankles which kind of stood out yeah um and then as he's getting closer i see that he's sweating a lot and the town of guadalupe is right there so to me like realistically it looked like a guy from guadalupe walking home from the mall he had a shopping bag in his hand big native guy walking towards that direction. Wait a minute. He robbed the store and they put him in a bag for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Okay. The guy was thinking. Sure. <laughs> and here, here's a fake receipt, whatever. Wow. Yeah, I know. I, I didn't even pay attention to what kind of bag it was. Maybe that would have tipped me off a little bit more if it was a famous footwear bag. <laughs> but um, so as he's approaching me, I don't really, like in my mind, I'm, writing it off like this probably isn't him, but he matches close enough to where I'm at least going to stop him and talk to him and just see what he has to say. Sure. So he actually acknowledged me first when he was approaching me. He just goes, what's up? And you're by yourself. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, car's right there with the lights on. I'm full uniform. It's clear that, you know, I'm a cop working, whatever this is at the mall. And uh, I say like, what's up, man? Where are you coming from? And he doesn't say anything to me. He just keeps trying to walk right past me. I'm like, hold on a second. Don't go anywhere. We <laughs> we, uh, we have something going on at the mall here. I need to talk to you for a second. Um, do you have any weapons on you? And I step forward to grab onto him to pat him down real quick. And as I reach for him, he steps back, pulls up silver handgun, and sticks it straight out like towards my face, chest area. And is like, is this what you want? And some <laughs> what other time of day words. is this? Uh, it's like 8.45 at night. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So traffic was pretty, uh, I remember traffic was pretty heavy too. And there was construction going on right there. So there's like cars backed up on pre-stand baseline. Um, so yeah, so silver handgun was 
a description in our thing, and now he's pointing, <laughs> pointing a silver handgun in my face. As opposed to a pink one or a black one, you'd have thought, eh, this is yeah, nothing. Yeah, maybe this is a different guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, then I was just suddenly in it, like, right there on the, the corner. Like, there's, I see the next perimeter unit's, like, a visual away from me, like, right down the road. There's officers in the parking lot. Like, he walked by all these people. And there I am, like the furthest person away now. A lot. Like you're the last one in defense. With them, yeah. <laughs> and how close is he to you? Like, I mean, well, you, did you still have your hand on him? Um, so as he sticks it out at me, I just grabbed it and pushed it away from me. It was like the first thing that I did was I don't want this pointed at me. Like, sure. just grabbed it, pushed it off to the side. He's immediately trying to swing it back towards me, and he's repeatedly saying he's going to kill me. Um, I go to get my gun out of my holster because I was just going to come right over the top and shoot him like right there on the corner. Sure. Um, I don't know if you remember or not around that period that I got hired, uh, the holsters that we had, it had, so there was really like no physical retention thing with the other than a hood on the top. So you would lower the hood and then the way it was designed was if someone else were to try to grab your gun, it would get stuck in the holster. Like it wouldn't come out. You'd have to pretty much draw it straight up. Yeah. yeah. If it was tweaked at all, it would stick in the holster and you couldn't really get it out. And I used to go shoot steel with my friends, like on the weekends for fun. Like sure. I've been a pretty consistent 250, 245 shooter. Like I've, I can shoot really well. Um, but that holster would always like, it'd take me a couple times if it wasn't straight out. Well, when you're fighting with somebody now <laughs> over a Hold gun. Hold on, stop. Yeah. I got to yeah. get this right. <laughs> yeah, it makes it. Uh, that much tougher. Uh, sure. Very tough, yeah. yeah. Sure. So I had the hood down and he's fighting back with me trying to swing it. And I'm fighting with him trying to keep it away from me while I get my gun out. And I tried maybe like three times to pull it out, but it wasn't coming out of the holster. It was like a one of those bad dreams, you know, like where you're trying to hit somebody, but you can't move or. You want to run and you're in slow motion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like struggling with that, trying to get my gun out and I can't, I have this hand on his gun. I can't get on the radio. And then, um, he gets two hands on his gun and he's probably got like, I don't know, 70 pounds on me. Like he's a pretty big dude. Um, and stronger than me. So he has both of his hands on it now and he starts swinging it up towards my face and I can see the muzzle like out of my peripheral coming this way. So I grabbed his gun with this hand cause my gun, like that wasn't working. And I just, in my head, I knew I was getting shot. Like I remember thinking like you are about to get shot and sure. it's going to hurt. And like, <laughs> yeah. you need to fight through it. Like don't just quit when you get shot. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't want to take the round in my face or my neck or my stomach. So I grabbed his gun with my other hand and I just pulled him towards me and pressed it into my chest as hard as I could hold it there. Just if I'm going to get shot, this is where I want the round to go. And then we'll. And he's thinking, I got a crazy one here. <laughs> this yeah. guy ain't right. <laughs> I guess he said that later in an yeah. interview. Yeah. He was like, that cop was crazy. He wanted me to shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So I. I held it there for a minute and like was bracing myself, basically waiting for that punch from the bullet and uh, it didn't come. So, and I, I don't know, like time frame, like sure. it's all distorted, I'm sure for how long I was even holding it there for, but it felt like it was 
maybe like five seconds or so. And uh, the whole time he's still, you know, like, I'm going to kill you, cop. I'm going to kill you. And like even talking about it now, like it's been 10 years. I can still see his face, like mm -hmm. his facial expressions. I can see his eyes, see his teeth gritting. Like I can hear his voice. Yep. It's crazy like how that stuff just kind of imprints in your brain. It's there. Yeah. It's in your garbage can. We call it the psychological <laughs> garbage can. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that wasn't – so the gun's not going off still. Like I still haven't been shot. So I turn it upside down, kind of move my head out of the way and flip it upside down. So now it's his gun. Both of our hands are on it. It's upside down, pointed at his chest, like right in his sternum. So – put my finger on his trigger and press it hoping to shoot him with his gun <laughs> and the uh the trigger felt like it was already all the way back like there wasn't any room for it to go mm -hmm. um and i guess backing up even just another little step but when i was holding him here in my vest i was trying to get on the radio but people were giving updates that they were getting from in the mall. Couldn't get through. So I right. kept, I couldn't get through on the radio, oh, which was yeah. frustrating. Yeah. Uh -huh. So it would be like, you know, holding him, take my hand off for a quick second to try to key up and bonk, put my hand like right back on it. Bonk. <laughs> like yeah. right back on it. People shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I need help here. And of course, no good Samaritans. <laughs> no. Yeah. And I, I remember too, like as I'm holding it into my vest, waiting for the shot, seeing people in their cars, like their passenger windows, like just looking out the window, like watching, but nobody like, you know, got out to help, which I get like, there's a gun out and stuff like that, but, uh, no one what? stayed to be a witness. Were like, they calling nine one one even? I don't know. Yeah. I'm not even sure. <laughs> you know, I live for moments like that. <laughs> I've run through my head exactly what I would do. You know, I honestly, I'd be out so far. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, as far I as I know, hindrance and anything, but I'll try. I don't think anybody even like hung out as a witness or anything. Yeah. God, you'd think they'd at least be on their phone calling 911. You got an officer in trouble. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I go to pull the trigger on his gun. Doesn't fire. The trigger feels like it's already been pressed. Um, so then I just start punching him, essentially. Like, just start fighting with him. Like, I'm pretty confident at this point that his gun's not going to fire or that there's something wrong with it. So I just start hitting him, uh, hit his wrists and his hands. And I trying to like get the gun out of his hands, which I finally do. Mm -hmm. Um, so now I have his gun. I tossed it on the ground behind me and then stepped on it with my heel. And, uh, he just kind of stood there looking at me and I, he doesn't have anything in his hands now. So I get my taser out and, uh, he said something along the lines of, come on, man, you ain't got to use that. Oh, <laughs> like, pull your gun. Don't, yeah. don't tase me. Yeah. <laughs> he must have been tased. Well, something tells me he'd had yeah. this happen before. <laughs> you don't have yeah. to use Yeah, that. I've been through that before. Not like what I was about to give him, though, because I ended up making uh, Tempe PD taser policy after this. But, That's uh, always good when policy is written right. because of something you do. Uh, so I uh, I end up tasing him, and thankfully it works. It locks him up, and he falls over onto the sidewalk. And I just held the trigger down. I didn't do the five-cycle ride. Um, you know, like fighting with someone for that long that was actively trying to kill you. Sure. Like, I was pretty tired. There's a loose gun on the ground. I don't know if he has any other weapons on him. 
I'm not about to go up and start re-wrestling with this guy while there's a loose gun on the ground. So I just held the trigger down and I was finally able to get on the radio. Um, and someone got there. I think he took, it was like around a minute and 20 second taser ride. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That's the kind of stuff you want to stop and watch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so once my backup got there, I, I stopped tasing him and, uh, we went up and handcuffed him and, and that was, that was it, how he got into custody. But the gun that he had, it was loaded. There was a round in the chamber and the bullet in the chamber had, uh, they said multiple strikes to the primer, but never fired. Yeah. Wasn't your day. I know. Yeah. Or his either. Apparently. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't neither, know. It was his day for the taser, days, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. So it's funny people, um, you know, we'll ask if I've ever been involved in a shooting and it's like, <laughs> how do you well, answer that? Yeah. yeah almost. Like, <laughs> ish. Yeah. yeah. No, no shots were lousy fired. Lousy ammo, but <laughs> yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah. Lousy holster, lousy ammo. <laughs> but the taser was fun. Yeah. The taser worked though. Um, Nobody at Tempe can ever do that again. <laughs> no, I made, I made it to where they cleared it up that you could do that. Oh, yeah. okay. So it was policy in a positive light because they yeah. asked me afterwards like during um my interviews and stuff like that uh the following days like did you know how long you tased that guy for mm-hmm. thinking that maybe i like blacked out and just i was like oh, it had to have at least been for a minute or longer and they were like oh you knew that you tased him that long <laughs> i was like yeah hell yeah <laughs> hell yeah he was trying to kill me exactly. <laughs> wow yeah like he's lucky to be alive versus Having to worry about being tased a little too long. And yeah. was he screaming and cussing at you about the tasing? Uh, just the when you get tased, that initial kind of, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just like that. But, yeah. Yeah. And then. Uh, I need one in the office. <laughs> well, you had that one gun. Yeah, but that's the pepper spray stuff. Oh, that's yeah, what that's, it is. Uh, that's yeah, right. but. Yeah, but you know, just the sound of the taser yeah, can clicking, yeah. can really shut y'all down in a big <laughs> hurry. Yeah. yeah, but um, so they treated it like an officer-involved shooting. Uh, they had me; they like set me off to the side. Uh, I basically just sat there with another officer, like not supposed to talk about the incident. I just hung out. Someone eventually came over and uh, they were like, hey, you should probably call your wife and your dad and let them know because <laughs> the media was like starting to show up. Yeah. Um, and your so, dad's going to find out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of surprised he didn't already know. <laughs> yeah. So I called and uh, he was good on the phone when I talked to him. And then <laughs> I feel bad for my wife uh, when I called her. So we lived down in Maricopa at the time. It was like our first house. We could get them like super cheap at the time. You know, it was like one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars for a almost four thousand square foot yeah, house. It was oh, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and for those who aren't from the Phoenix area, that's how far is it? Thirty miles. It's probably like a. It took me about yeah about a half hour to get mm-hmm. into work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just like its own little island community yes. south of everything else. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> It's the end of the world before you get to the rest of the world. <laughs> right. But, uh, but yeah, we don't know anybody down there, like no friends, no family, nothing like that. So I call her and I was just like, hey. And it was weird for me to call her like in the middle of my work shift like that. Sure. She's like, hey, is everything okay? Yeah. Like, Could have uh, been worse. Some guy tried to shoot me a second ago. I can't really talk, but I want to let you know that I'm okay. <laughs> I'll call you in a little bit. <laughs> 
Well, she oh, she was left at home. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Too. yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you so have that children? Probably, no, not okay. at the time. But um, actually, like, interesting enough, how the bullet didn't fire and all that stuff. It was like a week or less after this incident, we found out that she was pregnant with our oldest, about that. our first kid. Yeah. So well, at least that was kind response. of a weird, uh, a weird thought knowing that I Could was close have. to of not knowing I was ever a Good. dad right. yes. or yes. my daughter never knowing, knowing me. You. Yeah. Sure. It's like a weird thing. And it is weird. It, it'd be interesting to look at in the past, a lot of line of duty deaths, about wives have been pregnant. Yeah. I, I've, I can that probably seem, name 10 yeah. off the top of my head um, that I know of. But, yeah, it does seem like that's something that happens, happens a lot. Happens a lot, yeah. Yeah. Well, at least your wife wasn't like Mark Valenzuela's wife. You better not be screwing with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Have a good night. Nah, yeah. I'm fine. Well, Mark was the type who probably did joke around with her and, and stuff. So, yeah, that was that was her first response when he called and said he'd kill somebody and and he had been shot. You better not be screwing with me. <laughs> so uh, did your wife funny. try to find you? Did she try to come up? No, I told her just to stay at home that I was going to be coming home early that day. Like they had me come Gotta home. Got to be going, yeah, uh, right. I'll, I'll see you shortly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um. They, yeah, so they treated it like it was an officer-involved shooting. Um, my outer carrier that I was wearing had his muzzle imprint on the front. Wow. So they seized that as evidence, and uh, I had to go in. They had to count all my bullets and take photos of all that stuff, take photos of me. Sure. Um, I got a, uh, a throwdown vest from a guy who's a little bit shorter than me, so... I had to wear that for several months, and it looked like I was wearing a sports bra. <laughs> kind of like months. the old bulletproof vest I have hanging out here in the <laughs> right. hall. Yeah. 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 Um, but, yeah, so that was pretty much that night. Um, it was kind of cool in the sense that afterwards, actually being the victim of something, I got to sit through the whole court process, which was neat. Um, sure. I'm just used to testifying as a witness. But being a part of jury selection and getting to sit through – Everything was was kind of neat. He ended up getting twenty six years. So, what's his rap sheet? What what had he done prior? So he was only like eighteen, I think, at the time, eighteen or nineteen. He was pretty young. Um, but he, I remember hearing that he had a violent history. He lived, I think he lived. He definitely had family on the res, um, like the Gila River Reservation, I think. And I remember hearing there was like a recent incident with his grandpa where he pulled a knife on him or something like an ag assault against his grandpa. Hmm. Um, but he didn't have like any crazy drugs in his system at he the did. time. No, it was yeah. like, I think weed was the only thing that he had on board. Um, it was just kind of a bizarre thing. Like why would you go crash your car at the mall and like do all of this crazy stuff? Yeah. 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 It's kind of crazy how it just kept spinning up, you know, yeah. getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah. I'm surprised, like, thankfully his gun wasn't working. I don't know if he was trying to shoot it in the mall or not, but, like, the fact that nobody got shot on that right. whole thing is pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. That's crazy. And it wasn't just that he had some crap piece of gun that just was... Yeah, so they tested it at the DPS crime lab, you know, as part of the trial process, and it fired every time they did their test fires on it. Yeah, after, like, the fourth round, it malfunctioned just because the... Uh, casing didn't eject all the way so mm -hmm. but so the slide couldn't 
cycle the next round, but wow. it actually fired though. Every time they shot it, you know, if you're not a believer, <laughs> you will be Yeah. after something like that. Cause that's just nothing but a yeah. miracle. Yeah. Truthfully, it wasn't your day. Yeah, for sure. They, one of the theories I've heard them say is, um, that when I had pulled his gun into me and had my hand on the slide, it had it out of battery just that's enough to where it couldn't fire or cycle. Sure. Um, but yeah, just the fact that all that, all that happened and I like walked away with like a little cut on my knuckle. Is sure. Pretty much all that I, I had. When I heard the it, story, you know what happened? I was just amazed that you had the peace of mind to pull that gun in to your vest, you know, to where that trauma plate was thinking if I'm going to get shot, I'm, I want to be shot right here. Yeah. Uh, well, I, one thing I have to credit that too, I, I would say is, uh, is it Lieutenant Miller now? Tony Miller? Yes, it is. Sergeant Miller. No, it's Lieutenant. Yeah. yeah. So he was, uh, my first Sergeant when I got hired, mm -hmm. um, when I was like a solo officer out of field training and he was a brand new Sergeant at the time. I think I was his, on his first squad that he had, but he was good at always doing briefings with us and like, um, pulling up significant calls that we've had and putting up the map on the board and having us practice like setting up a perimeter or what resources we would need. And one of the scenarios that he had mentioned was that if you were fighting with somebody over a gun, um, that the safest place to get shot would be in your vest versus anywhere else. Sure. And that a way to potentially like disarm the gun mm -hmm. is if you could think to drop the mag and fire that or just get that round out of the way in your trauma plate, then the gun's empty. Right. And there's nothing to do. So probably like this was my next squad that I was on when I was on this. So like a year later, I find myself in this situation <laughs> and not that I'm like actively thinking of, you know, right. hey, Sergeant Miller's briefing, subconsciously, yeah. but subconsciously yeah. it's in there. Like, yeah. I don't want to get shot in the face. I want to get shot in the vest. Right. So I'm going to put this gun here. I didn't like think to drop the magazine or anything, but in my head, I'm like, if I can at least just get shot here and get the round out of the way, then. Right. I'll be, I'll be in a much better situation. <laughs> so do you think you could even have dropped the mag looking back on it now with the way he was holding? I mean, you got four hands. Yeah, probably on not honestly. Yeah. Cause he had both hands like on the handle. Sure. And I have my hands up on the slide. Right. So yeah, probably, probably not. Would have been yeah, tough. Yeah. yeah. That gun was pretty Good. much covered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hands all over it. Yeah, right. <laughs> was yeah. this something, you know, and I, I laugh about people who talk about cops are paranoid and I say paranoid is prepared because you're running think, scenarios, sitting at yeah. stoplights right. at two in the morning, that kind of stuff. After the sergeant, now Lieutenant had said this, did you ever run those scenarios through your head really thinking about it other than just a one-time comment by him? I don't think so. Um, pretty much, at least with me, like if I'm doing scenarios, it's pretty much when I'm on my way to a call, mm -hmm. like thinking the comments that I'm getting on this call that I'm going to like a DV or whatever, and trying to run through the different things that could happen and how I would like what all, how I would like to react if this happens or this happens or this happens. But as far as that goes, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. It's just something that I Why guess don't just they teach that in the academy? Why? I mean, is that even? 
Because honestly and truthfully, it makes sense. Right. It does. It makes perfect sense. Well, that's but, why they don't do it. Right. So that's, that's, <laughs> that answered that question. No, that right, was anyway. never brought up in, when I was in the academy. Yeah. I doubt it was when you were in the academy. No. Yeah. Not at all. And you don't really train on that either. You right. know, it's like any shooting scenario. It's at a distance. Right. Somebody right. pulls a gun. Yeah, it's never you shoot right them. up close it's and not personal. It's right. hand-to-hand like that. Yeah. It, Let's go back and look. There used to be a um, – he was a dual agent. I know he was ATF and something else that I taught with a few times. Jim Crotty. And he used to teach a course called Mental Preparation for Armed Confrontation. And it was probably one of the best trainings I've ever sat through. But that's been – I've slept a few times since that training, <laughs> twenty probably 20 years ago. And I wonder if he covered that, because that kind of sounds like something he would do. Um, yeah, I think Jim has passed since since the last time I had anything to do with him. But, um, I, you know, to me, that seems like that might be something good to be added into right. trainings. Basic yeah. curriculum. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I never, I still have never attended a training with anything like close quarters like that. It's yeah. always if it's empty handed, like just fighting with somebody, but right. not if they're armed and you're not kind of a thing. Right. So that'd be good to have. That might be a training we might need to add in somewhere. <laughs> I'm not beyond it, but anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that just kind of makes perfect sense because I, I, I was trained with a semi automatic by a guy <laughs> named, um, Frank Repass out of Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frank's a super firearms instructor. He's very well known, probably internationally. Um, he was Orlando SWAT and mm-hmm. range master and then at Kennedy Space Center. And that was one of the things we had talked about because I do remember him saying about how a gun winds up out of battery, that if it's real close up, right, you know, there's a good chance yeah. that that slide's not going to cycle. Mm-hmm. But I don't ever remember people really talking any more about it than just some things Frank said. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was interesting too. in like the, the after, like the days after, cause you hear like the Monday morning quarterback type mm-hmm. stuff, of you know, course. like we all do in the PD world. When Cause you everybody's in that yeah. Yes. Well, if I you, was there, yeah. you think about what you would have done in that situation or people ask you, you know, like, well, why didn't you do this? Or did you think about doing this? So one big one was, why didn't you prone him out on the sidewalk when you first saw him? It's like, well, he's clearly not a black male. He's a native guy. Yep. He looks like he's walking home to Guad. He's got a shopping bag in his right. hand. He's he was like, the, even the description. It was close oh. enough, but, and like the last update 20 seconds ago is he's still in the mall and I'm a pretty good distance away from right. the actual entrance to the mall. And sure. there's, contact teams at all the exits and other officers he had to get by before it came to me. So like, I'm not just going to pull my gun out on any dark skinned guy <laughs> with the blue shirt that's right. in the area and prone them out. The yeah. public uh-huh. does tend to kind of yeah, frown, frown on, that on those now, things. Especially today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, another one that I got a lot of was uh, pulling out my knife and stabbing him, um, which like, yeah, that would be an option. I, didn't even cross my mind. Well, you're fighting over reach a gun for it. Yeah. Yep. You didn't have three arms. No, yeah. Well, yeah, both on, on the gun and just my main focus is where is the muzzle pointing? Like, sure. like that was my main priority. Um, but yeah, after my gun didn't come out, like I honestly didn't even think to reach for a knife. Like we don't train that way. Right. And when you're thrown into a situation that, that is that intense and that stressful, 
you don't just magically start coming up with like new ideas really you know what i mean like yeah i've like, never, I've never s- trained to do this but hey yeah. this sounds like a good idea we Not don't the time to be creative let's yeah put it that way. like in dt they don't give us fake knives and right. like sure. roll around with each other and stab each other or no usually only the like bad that. guy like, has a fake knife yeah <laughs> yeah exactly um i had somebody ask me if i thought to use my handcuff key to stick it in his eye <laughs> we're sure yeah how were you supposed to get to pull it out of your vest pocket and yeah so those just those kind of we comments usually they use the longer you. handcuff keys instead of the little tiny ones yeah but i mean you know stick your finger in his eye i mean you still right. gotta let your hand off the gun right and yeah. the reality is that wouldn't have been a good decision yeah and then another one um so like i said earlier the those holsters always gave us a hard time having to draw it straight up and like when we would qual and everything, you know, when you have to draw from the holster, like all the time, like it'd take a couple times and then it would come out and then you have to rush your shots to make the time. There's a retention screw in the side of the holster. So I would back it out a little bit at a time until finally I just took it out one day because I was like, I don't even want this retention screw in here, but it would still stick every now and then it was just better. <laughs> so um, I had a sergeant see that my holster didn't have the screw. And he told me to put a screw back in it that it, there was supposed to be one there. This was after this event? This was before this event. So <laughs> so I find a screw that just like fits in there. It like threads into the thing and I <laughs> stick it in there. But it's not the screw that the holster came with. And there's still no little retention wheel in it. It's just a screw just so I would stop getting harassed about not having a screw in there. So afterwards, when they're looking at all my equipment and they see that I have this unauthorized <laughs> screw in my holster, Ding. they start putting some blame on, well, that's why you couldn't get your gun out of your holster because you had the wrong screw in there. And that one bothered me like that. It has nothing to do with why I couldn't get my gun out of my holster. Right. I couldn't get my gun out of my holster before. That's yeah. why this other screw's in there. Yeah. So, yeah. so that one bothered me too, but I just, that was mostly from the firearms guys, I think. I think it's hard for them to acknowledge that the holsters they were issuing were garbage. Right. You know, like just, I don't know. How long so, after that did they change the holster? Pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. If I had the holster I have now, like no question. Mm-hmm. The one I had before, I couldn't draw my gun out, like sitting in my car from a seated position. Now I can draw it out. It's super easy. Yeah. Yeah. It's I way see. better. So you're telling <laughs> me whoever decided in those holsters really wasn't doing the job to really know if it worked well or not. Yeah, I don't know if that was just at the time they were issuing it or ordering them. That was like the best that they was available or what. But well, you thankfully know, we don't use them now. How yeah. many times on the range would that not come out? You know, all the time. You, yeah, right. But I mean, if you got a firearms instructor who's just sitting there going, "Okay, yep, it's I'm drawn, I'm drawn, I'm drawn." Yeah, you know, in a perfect situation, it's going to work most of the time. Yeah. But yeah, when you're wrestling with somebody or too many other factors, struggling, right. yeah, sitting in a car, and all that hard. stuff, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. wow. <laughs> so, how did your wife handle all this? Yeah, when I got home, um, my buddy gave me a ride home that night. He was on, we were on the same squad. So after I got done getting photographed and doing all that stuff and my interviews with the homicide guys, um, they let me go home. It was probably like two o'clock, one o'clock in the morning or so. Um, so there's only a few hours left in my shift. So, uh, they had my buddy who we were, we went to the Academy together, like great friends, my wife's friends with his wife. So he drove me home Mm -hmm. and, uh, 
just talking about the incident and you know she's crying and upset my buddy's crying on the couch <laughs> he's upset <laughs> and you're like hey guys my event here what's this yeah so i was you know just i guess more trying to be comforting towards her sure. um i i don't think that i cried or anything like that that never happened um i never felt like sad mm-hmm. um but it affected her for sure sure yeah she was scared and then in the coming days like hindsight now i see that it did affect me like i can think of instances where it did and mm-hmm. i either just ignored it or like wasn't really paying attention to it but I, tom knows me i've always been a pretty mellow easygoing yeah. chill guy like nothing really like rattles me or gets me i don't know freaked out or anything yeah, it doesn't like get that. worked up too much no um but i would like hear noises in the house at night like afterwards and then have to go clear my house like i'm at work like with my gun and make sure nobody's like in my closet we've or never heard that before yeah. anything <laughs> so that hasn't happened in like since close to that time but like in the days immediately following that sure. like i would be like more paranoid about stuff like that and i remember my first shift back to work after so that happened on my Friday, right? So officer involved shootings, you get what, three days or something like that. So my three days fell on my weekend. Great. So they were like, hey, we'll see you on Monday. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Dang, I don't get the benefit of three days. I off. know. Yeah. So uh <laughs> I'm riding into work that next Monday and I'd call my dad like pretty much every day on my way into work just to touch base and talk with him and stuff like that. So I'm talking with him and my mom on the phone. Um when I'm driving into work on the 347, it's like, you know, just a long stretch in the yep. middle of nowhere. And I hang up with them and I started getting a little emotional on the car ride into work. Sure. Just thinking like, man, the last time I had this conversation, like that was almost the last conversation. Yep. And now heading into work again, it was just kind of like a weird, a weird thought. Sure. And then my very first call on my very first day back was for gang members threatening each other with guns. <laughs> and your first thought is, who cares? <laughs> yeah, my first thought was, why couldn't it have been like a barking dog or like something easy to like kind of ease me into it? Right. Or like, you know, like I just dealt with it. Like you go to the call and do it. But hindsight now, like thinking back, I probably wasn't like really ready to be back at work yeah. to like respond to calls like that yeah. right yep. away. Yep. Like my anxiety was through the roof sure. by going to that. Sure. So it's just kind of interesting how times have changed since that was 10 years ago. Like there wasn't really any of this wellness talk or anything like there is today. Yeah. I, if I was involved in that same incident today, I think I would be forced into going to talk to somebody before I came back to work. Oh yeah. Um, but that wasn't even like, it wasn't even no. recommended or talked about. It wasn't suggested. It was, just all right let's make sure you can still shoot the qual <laughs> i went in i shot and uh that was pretty much it i was well, back see, on the road and, and we went from as law enforcement does the pendulum always swings one extreme to the other yeah so we go from three days then we go to a policy like at phoenix that others picked up of you got to be all 30 days and you go both are stupid right <laughs> some people might need 30 days yeah but you stick them at home for 30 days and they can't work off duty, extra jobs, 
So now they're walking out the house after their 30 days is cleared, and the wife's going, do not get in a shooting. We can't <laughs> afford yeah. you at home or light duty for 30 days. And that's a good plan. But three days might be enough. Some people may not need three days. Yeah. I've dealt with officers before with military background. They're like, I'm ready to go to work tomorrow. Yeah, just another day. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, these extremes. And everybody, you know, I'm big. I think you should talk to somebody. Mm. Not necessarily certain who you ought to talk to. But you have to be careful. And that's the funny part. You guys aren't going to say stuff. Yeah. Even if you're thinking it and feeling it to the wrong person. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it'll put your butt at home for even longer. Yeah. And at the time, I wasn't even really, like, thinking of that either. I was just like, yeah, I feel like I could go back to work. Um, sure. But, like, hindsight, thinking back now with what I know now and putting myself back in my shoes, going to those calls afterwards, I was like, yeah, I was spun up a little, a little more tightly than <laughs> I normally am. Anybody yeah. that had been in a shooting or even a similar, maybe not the exact thing, but a close call. Um, at Tempe, reach out to you? Uh, no. Really? Uh-uh. Did you not? I had a bunch of people, like, reach out and just be like, you know, hey, I heard what happened. Sound like you handled it well. You know, glad you're safe. Things like that. But nobody that had been in a, a shooting or an intense situation like that to reach out and, like, compare stories or even or say, too, you might need a few more days or, you know, don't worry if you feel like this or none of that kind of stuff. No. Yeah. And I mean, and I feel like I handled it fine. Um, you know, going back to work, like I didn't feel super bothered by it at the moment, I guess. Um, but just again, like hindsight, thinking back, I, it probably would have been a smart idea to at least just even like one once to just go through everything with somebody sure. would have been good. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking. Besides the homicide guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I like, you know, had my wife and, you know, my buddy and um, my dad, right. know, stuff like that. But, I mean, my dad's never been involved in a situation like that. And he's even more old school, you know, from the era that you guys were hired right. and came up in. It's just kind of a, you just keep going. You know? Right. When did you, when did they make you go to the range to recall? Uh, it was before, it must have been like before my first shift back or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, or on my weekend, I came in and did it. Um, I think I just had to show that I could shoot the qual and I wasn't like mentally a, a mess where I couldn't shoot. Sure. So, but that was fine. Yeah. And you didn't have any issues with that. Well, again, again, it's a different situation because right. you didn't have a gun actually go off. Yeah. That could have changed it. Completely. Yeah, whether you would have been able to get your gun out and shoot him or right. if his gun would have went out that sure. mm -hmm. off, then that could have changed that dynamic more for you. Yeah. How'd your wife feel about you going back to work? Uh, I mean, she stresses definitely more immediately after, but even now she's she stresses out about me. Does she? Going to work, oh yeah. My kids start too now too. Mm -hmm. My son, he's eight. Uh Lately, over like probably the past month, just be like, um, he always tells me to be safe at work, but then he'll, Dad, I don't want you to be a cop anymore. <laughs> a lot of children saying that yeah. these days. Yeah. I don't want you to be a policeman. It's too dangerous. Yeah. So. Um, your wife, no law enforcement prior family members? No. Yeah, nothing like that. Were you one who talked to your wife about this job? 
Oh, uh, yeah. Good. Yeah, I'll talk to her about calls that I go on and stuff. Um, I'm not uh, afraid to bring up the ones that, you know, kind of like kid ones always get to me. Sure. So more so after I started having kids of my own. Mm-hmm. But um, like I was first on scene of a, a SIDS baby mm-hmm. and I was like right around the corner from it. But, you know, giving it CPR and all that kind of stuff and just not being able to, you know, bring them back like, sure. and go into drownings and things like that. Like the kid ones, those ones get to me. But I can talk with her about it or bring it up. Good. So I talked to my dad about the SIDS one. I remember that. And just being like upset with him on the phone. And <laughs> sure. Him trying to be like, you know, there's nothing that You're was right. out of your hands. You know, like there's not nothing that you could have done. You had no control over that. It was right before Christmas time. So there was just like a bunch of stuff that just got me. Sure. Like, oh, it sucks. Yeah. We were talking at Phoenix Police Academy yesterday with the new recruits. And that was one of the things that we try to emphasize is that. You're trained to be problem solvers, but we forget to tell you you're not going to solve everybody's problem. Yeah. And children fill up the psychological garbage can more than most calls because you don't use sick humor Mm -hmm. with kids ever. Yeah. And other calls, you use sick humor. Yeah. And it's very helpful. There are actually studies that show that when you can do that, the body sends a message to the brain, this has no power over me. Mm. And... All too often, people are looking at the wrong things that officers are struggling with. Um, Again, Mark Valenzuela comes up a lot. He's been a guest on our podcast, and he was teaching with me at Phoenix yesterday also. And he's the Phoenix officer that he and his sergeant were ambushed in 2016, middle of the day, parking lot, apartment complex. Hmm. And um, his body cam was the first Phoenix shooting. Oh, really? On body cam. Yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, logically, people thought Mark's issue was that he got shot and he shot and killed the guy. That was never Mark's issue. Combat Marine. Mark's issue was that he couldn't get there to save the woman that the guy executed, his girlfriend. Yeah. And so that's the kind of stuff. But that's why children impact y'all so much. Yeah. And That's a good point. I never even thought of that. And it brings it. And now the body cams have killed sick humor because... Heaven forbid we do that. Yeah. You know, you got to turn that thing off. Put you don't it away. want the media getting a hold of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they don't understand. Um, but yeah, but that's really why children impact you, even if you don't have kids. Yeah. Of course, then when you have kids, it makes it even more difficult because you begin to link the kids. Yeah. And associate them. And yeah. Uh, well, tears. that one particular one, too, he was about the same age as my son at yep. the time. So yeah, I think that, that that's probably more than anything like that that made it bother me outside of it just being like a, a baby. But sure. it's like, I'm seeing my own like son laying right. there, you know, yeah. like in his onesie and his socks and stuff that are like the same stuff that we have at home. Sure. So, yeah. And then at Christmas time, you know, parent families are excited for their kids and yeah. this Christmas is for the children. And, you know, then you start to kind of put yourself in those parents shoes. Mm-hmm. It's tough stuff. Yeah. And people don't realize that. And, Again, I just don't think we talk about it enough as into the new recruit classes. Yeah. Which is something we really try to emphasize every time we get into one. Because you gotta start preparing people for that psychological garbage can, what it looks like, what it does, how it affects you, all those things. And that includes training families to see those early warning signs. Yeah. So how did we wind up changing departments? Uh so <laughs> 
You can speak freely. I was going to say, is that something we need to talk about? <laughs> no. Um, so uh, it was it was a hard decision to make. Uh, I grew up with Tempe PD. Sure. Like I have a lot of friends there. My, I mean, it's been a part of my life since I was born. Sure. Um, you know, I have no regrets about working there by any means. But over the last handful of years, staffing has gone way down. Yes. Calls for service have gone way up. They are building a ton of sky rises and apartments, and it's just going to get worse, and staffing keeps getting worse. Sure. Um, there are days where it's just unsafe, the amount of officers that are available on the road. Like you're constantly going to calls by yourself that you probably shouldn't be going to by yourself. Sure. Constantly hearing, we need units to clear for this, we need units to clear for that. Um and I was just getting worn out. Like I, I used to have fun coming into work and like look forward to coming into work. And I was at a point where I just dreaded coming into work. Yeah. And good for you I was to like, man, recognize right? it. Yeah. I was just like unhappy. And the thought of having to do, you know, I mean, I'm thankfully I'm in the 20 year program, but realistically I'm going to do probably 30, um, he says so. now at 34 years old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but the thought of having to do, you know, another 20, 25 years was just like, that wasn't an option. Sure. Under those um, conditions. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to, I had to change something. I started thinking about going back to the fire world. Um, but, you know, you get married and have kids and a house and you're topped out and it's makes it impossible to go back to just making rookie firefighter pay <laughs> sure without doing a complete overhaul and like changing the quality of life for my kids and what they're used to like we'd have to straight up sell our house move to a different part of town and like really downgrade in order to make that happen and i don't want to do that um well plus but, that shift change you know you can bid your shift to be beneficial to your family and fire you know most are going to be what on 48 off whatever and the off sounds great but the on 48 isn't yeah something people necessarily want to adjust to yeah so i had um a guy that used to work in tempe had moved to gilbert um probably four years ago or so mm -hmm. Um, and I guess backing up, I was thinking of the fire thing, but that wasn't really going to be an option. So I started like really trying to think of what was, what was it that was making me unhappy with work? And, uh, I was just thinking, I think it's just the department and where I'm at. Tempe tends to be much more of a uh, liberal minded when it comes to city council yes. and how much they are backing us lately. Yep. The whole defund the police thing was really starting to kind of get some traction over there, which sure. was making me nervous. Sure. <laughs> um, you and everybody else. Right? Yeah. So Gilbert being much more first responder friendly mm -hmm. was uh, was enticing. So I reached out to my buddy, met up with him for lunch to ask him because, you know, he came from Tempe, did about as much time as I did there, went to Gilbert. And um, I had never talked to him about why he left Tempe before. But when we ate lunch, every reason he listed was the same things that were yeah. bothering me <laughs> and making me want to leave. And he said, you know, 
not even just that I think it would be good to work with you again, but literally every problem I had has been improved by just moving down the street to a different department. So there's a handful of little benefits and stuff over there that Tempe doesn't have that, Mm -hmm. that makes it good. Um, now being there, there's some things that Tempe has that Gilbert doesn't have that were better. Um, you know, it's like the, the grass isn't necessarily greener, just a different shade of green, but the, uh, over in Tempe, like a full squad of officers would be six people. And that's if everybody showed up to work, which never happens (laughs) over here. It's like eight to 10 people. Really? Yeah. So that explains a lot. (laughs) Gilbert PD, I have to tell you. (laughs) Reminds me of a department in Alabama, Pelham Police Department. And they were known for, boy, you even veer over that solid white line a half inch. Done. Yeah, you're lit up. (laughs) God, y'all are a pain in the butt. (laughs) But it also probably keeps Gilbert's crime rate down. I think we always rate in the top five. Yeah, like one of the safest, safest cities, cities in the country. In the country. Yeah, because yeah, mm-hmm. y'all are a pain in the butt and and pulling people for every little infraction. <laughs> and but it's nice though that you, when you have larger squads like that, yeah, yeah, you actually have the ability to go out and be proactive instead of always yeah, reactive just like we are. Go under radio calls all day, right? Yeah, so it's been nice. It's definitely been a good uh, a good change. You know, I miss the people in Tempe. Um, mm-hmm. I miss some of the resources that were available in Tempe as far as um, like technologically goes. Like we had drones and robots and all that stuff. Gilbert's working on getting that, but we don't have access to it yet. Um, mm-hmm. But overall, it's been a, a good move. Motors um, still something you want to try? Yeah, I, ju- I just missed the uh, the motor test. I was still on probation when they had it. So next go around, I'll probably put in for it. Sure. Yeah. I but- remember when Michael called me. And said, hey, um, I want to tell you something before you hear <laughs> through the grapevine. <laughs> and he told me that he was going to leave and go to Gilbert. He goes, I just wanted you to know that. Yeah. And I was like, hey, more power to Good you. Good for you. If, if that's the right move that you feel for you and your Absolutely. family, then go do it. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And there's something, too, about like I live in Gilbert. My brother does. Uh, a lot of our family does. I don't have anybody that lives in Tempe or like know anybody. And it's like, I'm out here going to get shot and killed at the corner of priest and baseline for <laughs> a bunch of ASU students and transients that give me the finger when I drive by. Exactly. Like, at don't least, care. Yeah. yeah. Here, at least I'm out working and, you know, my putting community. myself in danger to keep my own family and my own community safe. Right. Um, sure. It's just something about that gives you the little extra drive sure. to, to want to do well. Sure. So, and we would be very remiss if we didn't ask about the Gilbert officer that was hurt in the event that Chris Farrar died. Yeah. How's he doing? I hear he's been doing good. Um, I haven't got an update on him lately, but I think he's working light duty. That's what now. I had heard. Yeah. 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 I haven't seen him in a while, but um, his recovery coming back was a lot better than what they were anticipating. That's yes. good. So, yeah. yeah. We weren't hearing good things right at the right. front end of yeah. it. And so, yeah. So if you run into him, let him know that he's certainly in all of our prayers and yeah. stuff. Thank and we you. have a special connection. We kind of feel to him because of Chris. And yeah, uh, I know Chris's mom and I were talking and she asked me just a few weeks ago if I'd heard anything. And I think she was going to try to reach out 
oh, gotcha. at some point they would, I think they would like to talk to him. Yeah. Uh, as I would also. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah, I'm sure he would like to. Yeah. yeah. So, if, uh, I haven't, like I said, I haven't seen him. Um, I didn't really know him a whole lot since, you know, I'm still pretty new to Gilbert. I think I can think of maybe two calls I was on with him leading up to that uh, night. Because he's but a fairly new officer also, wasn't he? I th- I don't know how many years he has in. Um, I would assume it's probably like four or five-ish. But That's what I'm I was not, thinking. Yeah. 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 But we worked opposite sides of the city for the most part. So, okay. um, like, I was on a DV call with him that was more towards the border. Um, but I didn't really know him very well. I don't even know if he would, like, recognize me if he saw me or know my name. But, um, yeah, like, when I heard his name, I couldn't picture who that was at first just off the name. I had sure. to see a picture of him to know mm-hmm. who we were talking about. Yeah. Sure, sure. But, but, yeah, I hear he's doing well. Good. Um, or Hopefully he'll as well as he can be for what he went through at this point. So. Hopefully he'll be able to return to to full duty right. and yeah, um, not be another professional casualty of this POS that yeah thought he needed to do that that night. Yeah, I would like to talk to him too. Just he had the traumatic brain injury and I've True. been through that, so it'd be yeah that, interesting to talk to him. Absolutely, the similarities that we've experienced. Yeah. Yeah. If I end up running into him, I'll have to let him know about your guys' podcast. Yeah. yeah. See if he'd be willing to come on and Absolutely. talk about it. Yeah. What his great. experiences with that. Yeah, they there may be some limitations because of trial. Yeah. And legal right. stuff, you know. Um, but even just to have for you as a stress coach, Tom, to be able to meet with him and right. kind of walk him through some of this stuff with similar TBI issues. Is huge, which again is kind of what sets our program apart from all the other stuff. It's it's more coaching and and trying to partner people up who've been through similar things, yeah, and similar injuries, that kind of stuff. That's why I was curious about if anybody, because surely Tempe, when you had your event, Tempe has officers that have been in shootings and close calls. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, we've had a lot of officers involved shootings and stuff, but. Nothing quite as similar as Michael's incident. That was that was definitely an odd one. Yeah, but you know, this is where you have to generalize stuff. You mm-hmm. you, you know, it's it's still a life and death situation. Whether the gun went off or not, he was still fighting the same thing he would have fought even if the gun had gone off. Right. It, yeah. It's still all that adrenaline and what's going on in your head at the moment. Oh yeah, that's a that's a good question. So did you feel like a big adrenaline crash at any point? I don't think so. I don't remember that. (laughs) Uh, Afterwards, I I remember feeling like just super relieved and like almost like a a sense of calm and relaxation when it was done and over with. And I was like sitting on this little wall off to the side, like just I'm safe and it's over. And I felt like almost like, yeah, like relaxed, but I didn't. Feel like I don't think like that adrenaline dump. Maybe I did, but not nothing. How did you sleep out. that first night? Did you? Um, my guess is probably not very. Well. I think I stayed up pretty late, like talking with you know my wife and sure my buddy and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I don't remember exactly if I slept good that night or not. I just remember going to bed late. Do you remember bits and pieces of memory coming back, even? months down the road of 
something would trigger something, you go, oh, yeah, that that happened. Man, it's been. Uh, I'm sure for the first like few months, I probably did. Yeah, but now I don't. I don't think so. I still think about it pretty frequently, um, especially when I was still working in Tempe. Like anytime you drive by that intersection, I want to go to the mall. You know, sure. it's like impossible not to. Um, so, so you went through Phoenix to come back the other way to yeah, come into the mall to avoid yeah. that corner. Yeah. 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 People do that sometimes. No, nothing like that. So good. Yeah. So well, I feel like I've I've bounced back, you know, pretty mm-hmm. good from it. Thankfully I wasn't shot or it wasn't anything more traumatic than than what it was. But um yeah, just I think being having a, a close family and friends and you know, my dad when he was alive and in law enforcement that I could talk to and call about, you sure. know, calls that I went on was is helpful. Sure. So but I've never gone to like any formal counseling or anything like that for anything. Well, I think you're to be commended to have, to have had the wherewithal to think to do that after. did Have you and the sergeant had a conversation at all, the now lieutenant? Did you ever tell him? Oh, yeah. I think the very next day because <laughs> he called me and we were talking about it. And I was telling him, you know, about that briefing, that uh-huh. I, you know, just remembering that. And I wonder if that's where that came from. wonder what that knowledge from him, where did that come from for him? Had he ever been anything? I don't know that he, I don't, yeah. I don't remember if he's been in a shooting or not. I really don't remember. It'd be interesting to know where, where he came up with that yeah. to even pass that on to his squad. Yeah. 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 He was, he was always just big on training like making the most out of briefings, which I appreciated, especially as a brand new officer. Sure. Like mock high risk stops in the parking lot and going into the range and doing stuff and making the most out of our, our briefing instead of just reading emails and hitting the road. <laughs> yes, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was good, especially like just being brand new to try to get into that, the mindset of, you know, like you go to a call here and pull up a house on a map and how would you set up on this and what resources do you think that you would need that would be available and playing out scenarios like that. And then you go out onto the street and just start thinking that way. Right. Yeah. It was, he was a good Sergeant. Hope he still is doing the same type thing, even as a Lieutenant is all I can say. (laughs) I don't know if he's over a patrol squad or not, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know where, what area he's working over now, but um, he definitely, he's, he's a good guy. Um, I have a lot of respect for him. Um, and I think he's, he is the type of person that takes care of his people. You know, He's a leader, not just a supervisor. Right. Good for him. I, I remember right after he got um, promoted to Lieutenant, it was one of the fatals that I was out on and we needed something to happen. It was a fatal hit and run. Mm-hmm. And, we were trying to get some of our undercover guys to go look for this area, and they told us that they were busy. And he came up, and he's like, hey, should we get someone to go over to this house? And I was like, yeah, we already tried to get you know this crew to go over there, and they said they were busy. He goes, they arrested this guy like two hours ago. They're not busy. And he's like, hold on a second. He got on the phone call. That squad went over, and we ended up catching the they guy. They weren't busy any longer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, he's like, um, no, I know what they're doing. They're not that busy that they can't assist us. Yeah. Wow. Well, and you never know who's listening to this that now will learn from your experience another yeah. tool right. on their tool belt, um, which is the whole purpose of fight in progress. 
Right. Because the fight can be everything from physical to mental to family to department to whatever. Yeah. And um, so you never know. That little tidbit may have just spread to somebody who's going to need it. Yeah. Hope so. It's yes. a cool thought. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, living in your city, thank you for what you do. Just remember, <laughs> I don't take tickets well. I am not a threat to anyone that I don't need to be a threat to, so you don't have to worry about me above that. <laughs> what are those letters on your plate again? <laughs> U-T-S. <laughs> and it's an SUV. <laughs> and, yeah, you can't miss it. Um, I'm going to just be on the hunt for you now. <laughs> I know. And I'll probably have everybody else looking for me, too. <laughs> but thank you for what you do. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the sacrifices. Yeah. And, and your wife, um, have her call me anytime, been on her side of the fence. Yeah. It's not an easy place. It's a thankless job. We were never able to run around and brag about what our spouses did because it wasn't safe. And yeah. even now more so for patrol, I think, than uh, anybody because things are too easily marked and, yeah, um, you know, especially where there are take-home cars. I don't know if y'all get that benefit. I'm kind of hoping you don't. But Some units do, but, yeah. Yeah, my advice to them is park it in front of the neighbor they like the least, put it in front <laughs> yeah. of their house. Yeah, I see, because we have a lot of cops that live in Gilbert, um, but you see some of these people from other agencies that have their marked patrol car just in their driveway. Yeah. I, yeah. That would stress me out. Well, in some places of the country, that used to be policy. If you took had a take home car, it had to be parked right visible. Mm-hmm. And I thought, but yeah, right. <laughs> back then, well, it wasn't what it like is it now. is today. Exactly. Yes. Where your neighbors wanted to know that there was an officer there. Sure. Sure. So it was it was a benefit. Yeah, it was always funny. The neighborhood we lived in was a single entrance in. We lived in the very back. Um, in a cul-de-sac, but to get when you first came in the main entrance, you could either go right or left. It was just a circle. Well, the house that sat right there was a Delta pilot with the last name Simmons. Oh, <laughs> spelled different from us, and he always wanted to put a sign in his front yard: "One M Simmons to the back." <laughs> <laughs> he said, "I can just see him now. They see a uniform, <laughs> even though it's a pilot uniform. It's still a uniform." Right, <laughs> and Simmons. He says, yeah, I'm going to wind up having to take y'all's stuff. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm not big on take-home cars. And yeah, even being reason. a motor, you know. Yeah. Like everyone sees you pulling into your house with oh, your yeah. motor. And, yep. Oh, cop lives there. Yeah, yep. everybody in my neighborhood knew because I was on the damn motor for so long. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, yeah, there are a lot of things I don't think the general public ever stops to think about. Mm-hmm. And just like not eating at fast food restaurants in uniform or Patrol yeah. cars and never even occurs to them the things that can go on with your food before you get it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's something we don't really want to think about either. <laughs> no, especially looking back. <laughs> no wonder y'all go into Subway where you watch. Yeah. And, and that kind of stuff. But, but if we can ever do anything for you at Under the Shield, we're here. You know where I live now. There'll yeah, always be police signs and stuff in the front yard. And, um, all you got to do is come by. We'll have coffee ready, water, whatever you need. And uh, Tom, you got anything before we wrap it up here? No, I'd like to thank Michael for coming on and, yes. and Thanks telling for the his invite. story. Yeah. And, yes. I mean, it's, it's a valuable story. Exactly. And and hopefully it helps some other officer someplace else in sure. the country. Sure. Um, and again, God was watching out for you. Yeah. Chris Farrar would, sitting here would say that was a God thing. 
Yeah. And that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Yeah, and that's pretty some, amazing. And some cool lessons for people to learn from it. Yeah. Yeah. So we want to thank our audience again for listening in and hope they will be with us next week. I can't remember if we have one of the fams, a retired fam on next. Yeah, I don't remember. But I think they're the episode after that. But, hey, it's always a mystery. We right. Sometimes we don't even know who's <laughs> going to be here next. <laughs> but thank you all listening, especially those of you as first responders and military we thank you for your service and your sacrifice and the families especially. And our number here at Under the Shield, the 24-7 number, uh, is 855-889-2348. And if you hit extension 1 for immediate assistance, we will not have your phone number. Um, the crisis line, it's set up that the crisis line runs through our office in Mesa and the crisis number pops up on our phone. And you will get a stress coach. You're not going to get voicemail or some kind of referral service. We deal with what you call with. Uh, you want to talk to me directly. My cell number is 334-324-3570. Tom? And my phone number is 480-861-6574. Call us. Please reach out to us. We're here to help. And it doesn't have to be about a shooting or anything. There's really nothing we don't deal with is stress coaches. Um, it can be relationship stuff. It can be sleep. It can be depression, whatever it is. Reach out to us. We have lots of tools in our tool belt. If we don't have the answers, we know somebody we can call and get them. So thank you again for listening. We love you guys. God bless and stay safe.